Express. Two, 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 two. Hello and welcome to Grumpy Old Ben's number 191 for Wednesday, August 17th, 2022. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac. We're on the last show. I totally messed up the episode number, but nobody caught it. I did. (laughs) From America's left coast. (laughs) I just didn't say anything. From America's left coast, where even the porn is being censored. I'm Ryan Pemrose. Ooh, that censoring is no good. And I thought about this. Because, again, we've got the nice multi-track recording. When I was uh, mastering the show, I realized it because of the transcript. I was like, oh, that's not right. And I'm like, I could go back and change it. And I'm like, yeah, let's see if anybody notices. And then nobody said anything. Because usually when the trolls notice stuff, they're right on board with the, ah, you screwed up, dummy. I I remember noticing it. And then I remember going right into my spiel for the start of the show and went it. And by the time it you know, slipped my mind and then we're at the end and I'm thinking, I got so many things I can rag on Darren about. I don't need to go back. <laughs> so you could have, well, see, at the, right when you're doing it live, then that would have been a good time. We'd have been like, oh, wait, wait, no, we'll, we'll re, we'll re-rack. But that's okay. We want to save digital footprint. Wait, so you want to just mess with the flow of the show. Right. Just start over. It's like when John says hit it and Adam still got his joint in his mouth or something. <laughs> no, it's usually... My favorite is when it's like the third thing, the third word out of Dvorak's mouth is kind of like, hey, how you hit it? And it's like, I'm not ready. There's things here. My finger needs to be over the button. Yes. It's not automatic. Sometimes he even takes me by surprise. Yeah. Well, that's that's his game. People don't know that that I have a a self-imposed task when John says hit it as well, which is that I'm the one who tells Doug to switch over the the name of the show in the chat room. Which. I'm was going to ask Adam about that, uh, the whatever he's using to connect, obviously, like a lot of people connecting to the no agenda stream does not try to set the title where mix the interface that uh, yeah. I use does. But I noticed this is a plague. Yes. Well, I've noticed this, especially on Friday. I keep missing the start of the podcasting 2.0 with Adam Curry and Dave Jones because Doug yeah. doesn't tell me. Be- because I'm not there to set the metadata manually right. like I do with no agenda. Right. That's the only way it's ever worked with no agenda. So Adam never even realized that that you have like every other podcaster on the stream, even if they don't do it, knows that they're supposed to set that data and then Doug will report it. And Adam never does because he's always had the luxury of somebody doing it. But I don't do it for podcasting 2.0. And so. Yeah, Doug will just go ahead and happily report that, you know, with some other recorded podcast or, you know, congressional dish is playing. Everybody right, which is why out. nobody listens. Nobody knows why. <laughs> like, I don't want to listen to congressional dish, but no, you turn it on and there's Adam Curry and Dave Jones on Fridays. They start like noon or so central time. Yeah. Is that when I I have I have things that I do on Friday? I really would like to catch it live more often. But yeah, yeah it's right every after. once in a while I change it. But Adam is not the only podcaster who who does this where it just won't even bother setting it. And 
the the most popular client for connecting to the stream is but which has a a slot in the settings where you can say when i connect send data right send this title and it, nobody seems to use it now it also has a button that says manually send data now which a lot of people will remember to do they put it on their checklist for when they connect you know it's it's the reason for example why when Abel Kirby connects he's got his checklist that says make sure that Doug isn't reporting grumpy old Ben's is playing instead right. of you know that other show that he does because nobody wants to hear that no no anyway um welcome to inside podcasting yes right here on the mighty no agenda stream or available via rss feed at grumpyoldbens.com where you want to go for all your grumpiness but there's been plenty of going on in the uh in the world including a new hard fork for monero i know we haven't talked about crypto in a while and yeah because because we don't understand it you know this at is least true. that's the feedback that i always get <laughs> i think we understand the concepts but monero we've talked about because that is the alternative coin or an alternative coin it's not bitcoin it's its own thing where a lot of people think you know, if you're really low on the chain, you just hear, you know, crypto and you think that is just Bitcoin and there's nothing else. Well, there's multiple coins. And as we've talked about, Bitcoin is not very private. Everything that happens in Bitcoin is logged and it is public. So you could see if I send you money from my wallet to your wallet, oh, yeah. that transaction is there for anybody to see. And there have been a, a number of attempts to introduce some form of, of anonymity or privacy into it, uh, including the the mixers that we talked about on the last show. Right. Tornado uh, cash. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, they 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 continue to get screwed. But anyway, which the government goes after um, them, which is why there is a need for a private cryptocurrency. Of course, governments hate this. For the same reason that they hate the mixers and it's also because very government hate freedom well right well they in this case they really want to know what kind of funds you are getting because then they're going to charge you taxes on that which is very well, hard to do more, if you can't see that it it's i mean it's about control in every way and and uh taking your stuff away is one excellent form of control but okay you know what i'm not going to go into a bad political rant or this early but this is interesting to me because i've never set up a monero wallet so i decided to look into that this morning and i have not quite finished this off yet because i have a major question well one you know where you're still at in the scheme of things when you go directly to the monero website and they have a, a variety of downloads because you still even if you have a hardware wallet like I do with one of the ledger devices, you still need the Monero software wallet. That's the way it kind of works. And then your ledger device just acts as your keys. So that's how everything stays secure, but you still need their software. And the first thing I did is cause I'm lazy. I'm like, well, yeah, give me the, uh, give me the windows executable. And Ooh. you're right. There's the other choices, just a zip file and the windows executable directly from monero when i'm like okay install my antivirus bit defenders like no 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 so i'm like what the hell so i just downloaded you know, the all zip things file. being equal i'll never run an installer yeah well I, yeah I you're right that was the, i said it was the lazy thing i knew it wasn't the right thing but i'm like yeah 
this seems easier. But then I downloaded the zip file, which only had, a, you know, the folder and this then EXE and a few other things in it. And the EXE, which ran is all fine. you really need. Yes. And the and, EXE and, ran and fine. Just, uh, for, for the record, um, the reason I won't run an installer is because short of spinning up a VM to install into, you actually have no way of controlling what that installer is doing. Right. And 96% of the installers out there do nothing more then create a directory and program files and dump some files into it. Well, I can do that from a zip. Yeah. And it's that other 4% that are going in and shitting in the registry and, uh, you know, changing a bunch of settings and, and reassociating files and, you know, disconnecting a double click menu from some other app and, and changing your default browser and all the kinds of things that I'm like, you know, maybe I would even want to do this. Maybe. I want control over that. I, I, I'm, I'm ranting against Chrome again, but go on. Right. Cause otherwise things may just stop working. Now it seems that when you're setting up a Monero wallet, there are a few different choices and the most simple is one that you don't have to locally sync the blockchain, which for a lot of people, that's going to be a benefit. Cause I think the blockchain now if I remember reading correctly, it's it was like 16 huge. Yeah. Like 60 or 80 gigabytes or something like that, which uh, it's way bigger than that. Well, not for Monero. Now the Bitcoin oh, okay, one. Yeah. Oh, the Bitcoin one's close to 400. I think it's big. It is very it's, big. You, you have to. Yeah. I, well, I just remember when I made up my, made my lightning note, it was like, Oh yeah, go install this software and also buy an extra hard drive yes. for the Bitcoin blockchain. Yeah. Like a 10 terabyte one, just so you're safe for a couple of weeks and it won't yeah. fill up. Because it's big. Uh, the Monero is not that big, but it's still like, okay. And I'm fine because I have the disk space. But I was just curious. The warning that was on there for using the the simplest form was that it would use an intermediary to do the transactions because the the whole blockchain is not locally on your machine. And it said the privacy hit there would be that some of your transactions or all of your transactions may be, you know, logged with your IP address. And I'm thinking, so if you use a VPN, is that not enough to be able to be like, well, do I really need to download the whole blockchain just for that? And I don't really care because, I mean, you can. It's just a time thing. I mean, a, a VPN literally does nothing to help your security if you're r- already running the attacker software in your computer. Right. But this so, as far so as if like, you oh, don't trust Monero, you, you already downloaded their software package. You're, you're right. already owned. So it's like if the, but for a Monero transaction where they're like, well, this could be then associated to your IP address. It's like, I don't oh, think that yeah. really makes a difference if that IP address is then masked with a VPN. But I mean, I thought there must be some experts out there. And of course, they can reach out Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at grumpyoldbens.com. It's like, you know, if you use Monero, let me know. I mean, we'll have the wallet address soon enough in case anybody wants to donate via Monero. But it seems like the way to go for privacy at this point in the article on Bleeping Computer talked about what we talked about on the last show, that whole tornado cash thing. And I was unaware that in 2020, I don't unless we talked about this. I mean, I could just be blanking. It says in 2020, the IRS offered a million dollars as a bounty to anyone who could develop a system 
for tracking Monero transactions. And uh, I guess nobody has answered that call yet. So I, I'm guessing Monero at this point is still pretty safe and secure. So far, yeah. You know, I was doing uh, I was doing research a couple weeks ago on uh, the. Uh, it, it's apparently it's a big business to try to de-anonymize VPNs. Oh, I'm sure. It's, uh, I you know, and, and it seems to be about seventy percent hype and empty promises, which is a, a classic Silicon Valley thing. But the other thirty percent is pretty much exploiting security holes in the VPN service, which there are or, a lot. I'm sure. In most. Well, they're, they're, it's complex software. Of course, there's bugs, but you know, then some of it is is things like uh, signing up for a, a bunch, like dozens of, of VPN accounts, and then using them to try to kind of triangulate where different things come out and what's the algorithm for which node you end up getting. And anyway, it's it's big business and it's fascinating. And I didn't bring any notes for it, so I'm not going to talk about it today. But it's it's a similar thing, and this is the the news with Monero's fork was basically everything that they use to try to assure your anonymity. They have stepped it up a little bit, so they've added more hops. They've added more, you know, a less chance for people to be able to track things. So it seems like a really good step, especially at this point, which is why I remember talking about this right when we started grumpy old Ben's because there were still a bunch of ransomware attacks where they pay in Bitcoin. And we had a few stories were like, ah, and the feds were able to get that Bitcoin back. And my first question was, why aren't you using Monero? And now they are because I guess uh, that's shown that it is way more secure than other cryptos. You don't have that ledger that shows you exactly where the funds have gone. And if the government is offering a million bucks in 2020, that might be more now. But if they're offering a million plus to anybody well, that it, can provide them with the ability to trace this stuff and nobody's collected yet, it's interesting. I mean, the, the IRS suddenly has a lot more money they can throw around. For Billions. <laughs> what's, what's this one million? Put a one billion dollar bounty out yeah. there and then maybe you somebody will come Get, up with it. <laughs> Give me a billion dollars and I'll find a way to inject the vulnerability into the their code. Right. For that kind of cash. No kidding. That is incentive. That's beyond incentive. It might involve, you know, getting hired on at Microsoft again and then working at GitHub being like, OK, well, yeah, we're just going to modify the database on the back end. This open source code now has a vulnerability, which uh, I have never actually seen evidence that anyone at uh, GitHub or, or a source repository has done that. But wouldn't that be a badass supply chain attack? Well, this is there. If someone at GitHub were just inserting vulnerabilities. Well, yeah, well, there was just an article on the uh, Python, one of the repositories, the PyPy, that was basically that same thing, which this is an interesting concept. I'm not a programmer. But I understand enough to know that there are these repositories out there with little bits of code because programmers, as as you have pointed out many a times, are really lazy. So if somebody's already written code to do exactly what you need it to do, you go grab that. If it's free and available and like now not licensed, you know, whatever, you can go and just grab that and put it into your code and go on your merry way. Well, what happens then when that? those code snippets that are out there have been compromised. Well, then they spread around pretty quick. 
you, yeah, you get what what has become one. It, what is the definitely the fastest growing class of vulnerability? In fact, it seemed like on Angry Tech News for a while, I was reporting on a new supply chain vulnerability every week. Just and a supply chain means basically, um, as the user, you can get your software completely compromised with doing nothing other than what they tell you to do, which is run automatic updates. Because you don't have to infect the customer's site. You only have to infect the place where they're pulling their updates from, which it turns out is not actually that hard with these public code snippet repositories. Yeah, well, it's just like getting something in the Google Play Store or the Apple Play Store. Once you get some code in there, except that there's no checks at all. Well, right, right. Which is unfortunate, but this is why you have to know what is in the software. This is why you have to do a little background on anything that you're putting onto your machine. And this is the same, whether you're talking about something in a Play Store or a browser add-on. It's way too easy to get something that has a malicious payload in it. And you just think, well, no, it's okay because it's here in the wherever. But no, not necessarily. And these uh, people that want to inject this stuff in are getting more and more clever. I mean, it's genius to put this in to a repository that other people are going to use to put into their programs because it then gives you another step. You're a step away from the actual software that people are downloading. And and with automatic updates, you actually are completely removed from the loop as to whether or not, you know, even if you know for sure, for example, I may as well pick on Chrome some more, even if you know for sure that there is a massive vulnerability in the latest version of Chrome. And there, there always you don't is. really have any choice about whether or not you get that vulnerability. Well, that's, you know, and this is the problem we've talked about a lot, separating what are feature updates from what is a security update. And those things should be treated completely differently because the case can very easily be made that you should always do updates that are security updates you know unless you have patched whatever the vulnerability is in another way the the only caveat is there there is one condition under which you can you know evaluate for yourself don't always take security updates and that is if you fully understand your system and what the updates do and what and and that is an unreasonable request for most users well yeah i mean this whole cotton i'm so I keep so the, the, the only safe advice for general users is is take all security updates because they tend to be important. Yes. Right. And Windows 10 keeps wanting me to update to Windows 11. <laughs> and that's not a well, yeah. not a security update. No. So I'll just keep waiting. This is until- this is why you, you need to go intentionally run older hardware so that it, it gives you that wonderful. The most greatest message in all of Windows 10. Your system cannot be updated to Windows 11. And you're like, yeah. Well, there have to be hacks that uh, that you can make it think your system isn't a- able to do it. And uh, what is on the, the topic? What is the uh, end date? Oh. Do you know of Windows 10? When will that when will it continue to get security uh, it, updates through? It'll uh, it'll be 10 years after the last major release. So yeah. it's going to be a while. Yeah, we've got plenty of time. We there, might all be dead. By Windows then. Windows 8 is still supported through January. Wow. Because that was the last <laughs> the last release of Windows 8.1 was january of 2013 so you're like come on microsoft stop rushing me into grabbing another you know, product I, I, 
I love to give Microsoft crap about a lot of things, but uh, BackCompat is one place where they excel far, far beyond any technology company anywhere. You know, e- uh, even, well, I don't know what their current one is, but uh, I was going to say Red Hat uh, have their long-term branch, which I think they support for five or seven years or something. Uh, Apple will not just straight up not support any operating system more than two years old. Um you know, most software is supported pretty much until they get the next version out the door and they're like, screw you. If you're not on the latest version, we're not going to give you support at all. Which but is, Microsoft, they just say 10 years. Yeah, which is fine on Apple, except for the fact that their their hardware goes out of uh, ability to run well, the duh. latest software very quickly. Hello. Well, how does <laughs> Apple make their money by selling you new hardware? Yeah. So where where does it benefit them to let you use hardware that you bought three years ago? Hey, I've got a two thousand. They could be selling you more. MacBook Pro still runs fine. No, it doesn't. It doesn't get automatic updates correctly. I know. Which I should yeah. just nuke it and put Linux on it. I'm sure there has to be. So a on Linux the topic distro. of updates, I actually have I have an update on the uh, Fitbit story that I brought last week. Last week it was completely anecdotal because my wife's Fitbit was broken by an update from the fitbit software package whatever firmware i'm not sure what it was right Um, and they offered to send her a new one that was the where we left this right well this time i've actually found an article from the verge so it's official because the verge is reporting on it (laughs) is that how it works you can't trust the verge who can you well no that's not the way if you can't trust the verge then then you're yeah you're You're smart that's how the, the world works but um they did point out some interesting things, and that is uh, my wife's Fitbit Versa, which will not charge or sync. Um, she went. OK, I'll, I'll, I'll back up because apparently Fitbit's customer support department has not been rolled into the greater Google customer support department, of which there is none. Um, yeah, trying to get a hold of somebody at Google. Is still not good, good luck. Their, their customer support is still not awful. So in case you're wondering, and I know you're not. Um, my wife's Versa is still broken. She contacted customer support. Um, they had sent her a new one. It arrived. It will not take a charge. They, you know, they arrive with like 40% charge in the battery or whatever. It will not charge any more than that. Uh, the charger will not sync. It will not allow her to connect. And so something is seriously broken with the firmware, even on the one new one that they sent her. So they said, Oh, well, package that one up, send it back to us. And when we get it, we'll send another one out and you'll be without your Fitbit for another week and a half. Like, okay, first of all, this is a problem of entirely your making Fitbit. How about you put a new one in the mail? I'll put this one in the mail and they'll cross. And you're just going to have to trust that I'm not the one trying to screw you because all the screwing is coming the other direction right now. Yeah, it's bad when the product is totally bricked. It is. And you can't, if you can't charge it, you can't use, you can't use a wireless device if you can't charge it because there is no, there is no plug it in and then use it tethered to the wall, especially not with a wearable. Sure. I um, mean, if she wants to go out jogging, you just need a really, 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 really long cord. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, she doesn't want to go out jogging. Is this one of these magical devices that you cannot roll back the firmware? hello this is silicon valley you can't roll you you don't roll back updates the only thing you get is you take your update you take your update slave when they give it to you and if the update completely breaks everything well you're screwed for a while 
until they give you a new update, which maybe won't break it. There's no rolling back. What is this, Microsoft? It is kind of amazing they're giving out free Fitbits. This, I'm guessing this they is happening to. to a lot of people. It is happening to a lot of people. So according to The Verge, it's not just the Versa. The Fitbit Charge 5 refuses to sync at all. Um, they called out uh, <laughs> They called out um, the Ionic, which is uh, has not recently taken an update. And in fact, uh, they put off the update for that one. But Ionic was the one back in March. I don't know if you read this story back then. Um, they recalled the that particular version because it was burning people's wrists. They pointed out that at least 78 people ended up with se- uh, first, second, or even third degree burns on their wrists because of this thing. Damn. Um, uh, back in April, they released an update to the, ox- the, the, some of these have an oxygen sensor, which tells you, I guess, how much oxygen is in your blood. I use my right, lungs for which, that. Right. Everybody was really into that when COVID started, because that was one of the yeah. sure signs people were ill was your blood oxygen level was dropping below. And, like and there was an app update that uh, just a straight up software update to the app made it so that people, the variation in the oxygen update was going uh, like a, a threefold increase in variation. And everybody started freaking out about their health going, Oh no, am I, you know, are my lungs collapsing or failing? And no, no, the software just changed how they measured it. And suddenly the graphs all looked different and everybody thought there was a change in their health. <laughs> These little devices so, are amazing. I will say yeah. uh, they ran a story and, on one of the latest no agendas about a woman finding out she had AFib with her Apple watch and they thought it was just a big ad buy. I don't believe it is because this has been recommended by my cardiologist, you know, a couple of years ago that he was a Luddite and he wasn't getting any money from Apple. I think people are just amazed that there are some of these devices that will monitor things that, uh, are a little more intricate than you would think you would get from a, just a simple wearable device, but these things could literally save people's lives, but they're not cheap. So this again is where the argument comes like, well, yeah, you have to be a rich person with an Apple device and then buy and watch. And then that's the way you'll be. Your health will be better. Sure. I mean, Apple doesn't work for free. No, everybody free Apple for everybody. You want to be healthy buy our products, right? There is something to be said for that. Just like the Fitbits. We're like, here, we're trying to do something. I don't think there's anything nefarious in that. Now, what they're doing with the data after they get it, well, that's a different story. Well, that's that's why I ended up quitting, stopping the Fitbit is I was like, I don't trust what you're doing with the data. But for the people who trust the data, it turns out that they're still above average on, uh, you know, on the customer support thing. I mean, average for the customer support in Silicon Valley is there is no customer support. Or you wind up but, in India or you wind up. Uh, yeah. You know, with somebody yeah. that barely understands what you're saying and vice versa, which makes Fitbit it really hard. Is in fact, <laughs> they are, in fact, replacing uh, broken products that have been screwed up by their update by, you know, I, I have nothing good to say about the Fitbit engineering team, but at least their customer support They're They're dragging their feet. Um, they are refusing to refund any products if people finally get fed up with the stupid thing. But they are replacing the products with new ones, which is probably costing the company something. Um, they're yeah. I, okay. So Fitbit is, do they know they're what having is problems? Ha- that they, what is happening <laughs> when the thing gets bricked? If they want you to send the old ones back, I'm guessing there may be something that they can do to refresh that device. So it's not unusable. Maybe. 
the one the one that they sent my wife that that didn't work out of the box was a refurbished one. In fact, it uh, it it wouldn't take a new sink, but the old sink that was still on it, it was like, you you, you need to sink your Fitbit because the last time you synced was November of 2020. You're like, no, <laughs> not me. That's the other problem with these devices when they're not wiped out and when they're when they're bricked before you send them back. I mean, crap. There's some data about your health on that device when you send it back to them. You don't know what that's going to wind up. Yeah. Well, as, as as Servo points out in the troll room, open source solves this. And that's kind of where I am is there's a lot of incredibly cool gadgets that, of course, the tech list makes me want to play with and toy with. and, and But if I don't have any control over the software and more importantly, your automatic updates can brick it without my input at all, then I don't want this device. It, give me. You know, let let me have some control over what features I turn on or over what data gets sent out over the Internet, uh, over over whether or not I take your new broken update, because I tell you what, I'm kind of at the point where when somebody announces, hey, we got a really cool new feature update that gives you this feature and this feature and this feature. I'm like, great. So I'll catch you in three weeks after I've looked up whether or not you bricked everyone's device. Yeah, you want to yeah hold off on the. The updates, obviously. Um, I wonder if there's any communities out there with, uh, let's see, there is. I just looked up Fitbit and open source, and it looks like there is uh, a bunch of apps that uh, perhaps work with the Fitbit, which is interesting if you could just like buy a Fitbit, nuke their firmware, and then install, which is the reason why. I bought that. Uh, I told you that MP3 player when my wife's finally broke after like 12 years, I found one of the original ones, you know, new in in box from 12 years ago because it would run an alternate firmware that did things that the original unit didn't. So it, that would be and, something and to look into for these little devices. Here, Here's a tip for anybody trying to search out whether or not you can run uh, the the custom software. Like when you if you get a device and you want to know, can I run my own software on it? Um, when you do a search, the keyword you're looking for is homebrew. Yes. H-O-M-E-B-R-E-W. If if you can find a home, you know, there are homebrew communities around everything. Uh, when I when I jailbroke my Kindle, I went to uh, a homebrew community, which created uh, uh, creates a full new operating system that you can install. Um, I didn't install that, but I did install a new reader, for example. And Servo is absolutely right. Rockbox. That's exactly what I put on the little uh, SanDisk device. It is a great open source project. And the little uh, MP3 players that were locked down, I believe, to only play like MP3s and that, you know, you can now play OG and FLAC and all that kind of stuff. So it's really cool. I have no name says Rockbox is awesome. See, we got a lot of Rockbox fans. I had to go find a decade old plus older than a decade unit just to be able to put Rockbox on it and do what I wanted to do. And yeah, you can play doom as you're on your MP3 player. Doom runs on everything. Now it does. It's still a shitty game though. Yeah. I mean, they're all, <laughs> the game is not aged that well. I mean, it's great that I can play doom on my smart spoon, but why would you want to? For some reason, the, 
visceral reaction I still get, though, to Doom is better than some of the really new photorealistic types of things that I've seen. I think it was because it was one of the first and it really was kind of spooky at the time (laughs) to be able to uh, it was to be able to walk through a virtual world like that, even though you're on a 2D monitor. That oh, was, it was amazing if you were in 1995. And I was in 1995. And I was too. <laughs> it's like, I'm not awesome. there anymore. Yeah, with the new stuff, all this, the, like, oh, virtual reality, throw a thing on your head. It's like 3D, you're immersed. It's like, ah, screw that. I, mean, I like the old stuff. I'll tell you one thing that I do not regret about modern games is that all of them have uh, rebindable keys and roughly the same control scheme mouse to move around and four keys to to move forward, back, left, and right strafe. And they're all pretty much similar. When I go back and try to play Doom, it has the old style movement where you have like the key for moving forward and then you have a different key that you have to press to rotate and a different key that you have to press to move up and down. And the mouse is only used for shooting. And it it's so clunky. The one thing I do not regret about modern FPS games is that for the most part, you can drop into any one of them and with potentially some key rebinding, especially given that W, A, S, and D are all over my damn keyboard because I don't type on QWERTY. Um, <laughs> so, yes, it's less convenient. <clears throat> so, well, I've had some games where I just straight I went back to Steam and I said, I you know, this refund this bitch because it doesn't allow key rebinding. <laughs> I would like I to see these I, I emails. I literally can't move around. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just want the, to see that email. W and S are over on the right hand. They're like, why are you anyway. using that keyboard? Why can't you relet? Every game allows key rebinding. It allows mouse look. It. I'm just saying, you can drop into any first-person shooter these days, and within a couple minutes and possibly some key rebinding, you can work out how to move and how to function. And how to get completely ganked by a 12-year-old who wants to have carnal re- relations with your grandmother. Freedom! <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what gaming's all about now, isn't it? Yes. None of these yes, virtual no. worlds ever really took off, though, which is interesting. Actually, I mean, you know, if it tells you anything about my gaming situation, I let my, I finally, after almost 20 years, have let my Xbox Live subscription lapse. And I'm just like, I don't. I don't need that anymore. Don't miss it. Well, there's other ways now to play games with people. If you want to connect, you can do it in different ways, including the, uh, you know, direct peer to peer kind of thing that we talked about with the Nord VPN connections. Now, oh, have your own LAN party. You don't need to have the uh, server in between you now. I mean, it depends what you're doing, but. uh, Oh, so we're, we're going. That's another thing we're bringing back from 1998. Yes. I remember that too. That was great playing. Uh, it had to be the PlayStation, the original PlayStation. As far as I'm concerned, that's still the way that a multiplayer gaming needs to have that option. And modern games don't. Modern games are like, you know, you cannot play this game. You can't even play in single player mode until you connect to our online server because we do processing in the cloud, which is really cool until four years later because nobody supports for very long. And they're like, yeah, we noticed that uh, the number of people who still play is only 10% of what we did at launch. So we're shutting off the server and nobody gets to play ever again. Yeah, sorry about that. Like, Okay, screw you. First of all, if it's a single player game, why can't I do processing on my own system? Please, can we go back to those days? 
No, because no. they can't charge you for a subscription service that way. That's the reason subscription gaming. That's one of the reasons why I'm I'm totally over most online gaming these days. I still I still have the ones that I play, which is anything that that I can run a server for and I can mod. Um, still play Minecraft for exactly that reason. It's not the most interesting game in the world, but when I can go download a brand new mod every week, I can keep it fresh. And more importantly, I can run my own server on my own hardware. And you could write your own mods. I, I have. There you go. It's a completely customizable experience that you at least have a hand in. As opposed to, eh, we're shutting that down. And we have to charge you for that service as well. Yes. So OnlyFans is fighting dirty. Isn't that all they do is dirty stuff? Um, I, you know, it, possibly, possibly not. Uh, depending on uh, the Facebook terms of service. I'll, I'll go ahead and lead with this quote. Uh, if Facebook, which, by the way, has a, a per- one rule that one of their rules is you cannot advertise porn on Facebook or Instagram or any of their services. Um, and they say uh, uh, this quote I pulled from the article, a Facebook spose- spokesperson acknowledged that while OnlyFans isn't a porn website, we know that it can be used that way. So we take actions on accounts that share OnlyFans links when paired with other sexually suggestive content. Does anybody know of an instance where OnlyFans is used in a way that isn't porn? No. Has that ever happened in the history of the service? It's not like a test account. I put a, don't know why anybody would. I mean, there are other alternatives code up there for anything that, you know, you want there, to do. Otherwise. There are alternatives, but that's the gist of the story. There are alternatives to OnlyFans, but OnlyFans fights dirty. This one uh, came from the New York Post, and I, I have a beef with the New York Post's reporting. What a surprise. Well, they're but better than the New York Times, but the, not the gist of this is that several porn actresses and uh, at least one OnlyFans competitor, uh, just four dot fans, got to get a plug in there, um, have filed a lawsuit against OnlyFans and against Facebook. They kept saying meta, but I absolutely refuse to give up the word meta. <laughs> to a company that should still be called Facebook Facebook. It's so meta. Anyway, um, the lawsuit alleges that uh, only fans bribed Facebook employees to get any porn actresses who were not on only fans to be shadow banned from Instagram and alleges that only fans put the images uh, of these non-OnlyFans actresses on a terrorism watch list in order to get them <laughs> shadow banned from Instagram. Damn. Uh, the lawyers claim, for example, they have a list of 21,000 accounts which were unfairly tagged as terrorists. Uh, it says, uh, and, and this, this, by the way, I didn't know about this database and it sickens me to hear about this database at all. Um, the Actresses and uh, and others were all allegedly placed in a database of terror linked accounts run by the Global Internet Forum to Counter Terrorism or GIFTC, a nonprofit group intended to stop the spread of mass shooting videos and other terrorist content across social media sites. Um, according to Wikipedia, when I looked it up, this this GIFCT began as a shared hash of database of ISIS related material, but quickly expanded to include a wider array of violent extremist content. They say that the database is full of perceptual hashes. 
I'm sorry. You mean white Republicans? Yeah, I, I, I would believe that there's probably plenty of that. And apparently porn actresses, too. So we went from monitoring ISIS to monitoring. Uh, so basically, you know, ISIS people that might use plastic explosives to porn actresses who just use plastic in other yeah. areas. So this is a database of, of what they call perceptual hashes. Now, I'm not exactly certain how that works, but I've got a pretty good idea. Uh, if there's an image, they will hash the image in some way that like cropping or, or rotating won't, you know, it won't change the hash or something uh, and and put it in, put the hash into the database. And then um, if you're Facebook, if you're Instagram, if you're whoever, Twitter, you can every time somebody uploads, you can hash it, uh, hash the image and check against the hash of everything in the database. And if it pops up in the database, then you censor it. I mean, because censoring is what these platforms are for. Uh, here's a list of all of the platforms which use this database already to perform censorship. Uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Microsoft, Airbnb, Discord, Dropbox, LinkedIn, Amazon, MailChimp, Pinterest, Tumblr, WordPress, and Zoom. That's a lot. And so the result is that if one platform, for whatever reason, or anybody, if if somebody, say, Facebook, who may or may not be taking bribes, this is all alleged, decides to take your picture, you know, you post a picture on a non-OnlyFans site with your boobs out, and they take that picture, they hash it, they put it in this database, and suddenly you try to post that to Twitter or Instagram, and you're blocked as a terrorist. and. I am severely bothered by the very existence of this thing, not because I particularly like terrorist content, although I imagine that a lot of it is things like rubbleized buildings and stuff that that would be inconvenient for the people doing the rubbleizing to have get out. But the very idea that they have automated censorship to this level is really chilling. Well, I mean, I understand wanting to keep off content like beheadings and, you know, when the, the like the guy in New Zealand who was live streaming going in and doing the shootings that I get for really violent content. But this doesn't sound like it's falling into that kind of a category, but it's social well, the porn media. images. Absolutely are not. Um, but I, I don't know what it what is what is the case for widespread censoring, even of a beheading image? I, think I mean, it if is you don't want to see a beheading, don't look at a picture of a beheading or. It's to Are we worried about children. going? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. When did you become a Democrat? You must protect the children. I mean, hey, I don't think kids should have phones until they're like 35. That would be. I agree. Uh, that would be off the better. Place I don't think start. adults should have phones either. Those devices are evil. Yeah. They're tracking. My wife devices. just got a new phone. She's like, the, the, the Xfinity had a sale. My wife just got a new phone. Well, they give like, you well, free you phones know, what, for what, nothing, man. I, I need you to I need you to check this list and see which phone you want. And I look at the list and I'm like, yeah, the phone I want is my old Galaxy S8 that's sitting on my desk. But they're free. And then they'll give you a discount on your Internet. We talked about yeah. that. And and what do you do with the old phone, by the way? I guess you landfill it. That's environmentally conscious. I know. Conscious. I mean, I don't when we got the I mean, as long as we're blasting companies, I can blast Xfinity a little, even though I like them. Good. The the uh, when we first got the family plan or whatever they call this it was great we put my phone on it my wife's phone on it and my parents my mom and dad each have a phone so that was four phones 
And I think at that point, they were limiting to five phones per account. But we're now up to seven. And I don't think, I think the limit's been raised to like 10 or more. So as we've talked about, every time Comcast Xfinity comes out with one of these deals, we're like, hey, this is the new free phone. You just have to port a new number on it and use it for two years. And we've talked about how it costs $3 to get a phone number from Google Voice. So it's very easy to just keep adding on these free phones and you could rotate through them. I mean, that's the other thing. The one uh, iPhone. And then all all those numbers are useful for 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 committing fraud and signing uh, up for services. Yes. When you need that phone number to verify because you can just swap the sims anyway because my wife had one of the apple iphones that we got free that she really wasn't using so when my mom's iphone broke there was just yeah we'll just swap the sim cards fine works perfectly so you don't even have to use these phones you're absolutely right it's not very environmentally safe and after two years you can then go sell that phone which means it's still probably worth something so you could really kind of use the whole xfinity free phone thing to your advantage I don't think there's any sure. question about that. I, mean, I don't think anybody's going to want my, my phone should be worth a lot because I went through the effort of taking all of the anus wear out of it that Samsung put in. Well, that was the question because the wife just got the new Google six a, which I'm assuming maybe doesn't have the custom ROMs yet. I'd never really looked, but if any of these free phones have a custom ROM, then bam, you might be in business. Hey, well, you know, when I was looking through the list, the first thing that I looked for was, well, which of these can I put graphene on? Exactly. Like, uh, I, I have you- not yet found one that, that that I've not found evidence that people have have successfully put graphene onto a phone on the Xfinity network. If somebody has resource that they can point me to, I might even consider getting a new phone. Um, but the everything I can find with graphene wants you to connect to AT&T or wireless or, or Verizon or one of the big wireless networks. I'm like, no, we're, we're probably going to be sticking with our current carrier, but it would be nice if I could get that working. Yes. I mean, we have no complaints over the service with Xfinity's mobile and they're buying from, yeah, who just, is it from uh, T-Mobile or Verizon? They're buying from one of them. I think I just know that if I get a brand new Samsung phone, then I'm in for another uh, three days of, of trying to scrape crapware out of the phone and remove trackers and like i finally got this five-year-old phone is in a position where i like it which is on the desk which is where it stays whenever i leave home <laughs> it's but, very useful it's very hard to track as far you. as i'm concerned that's the best way to avoid being tracked yeah do not bring the tracking device with you and, and now it turns out my track. phone is probably listening to everything i'm saying right now yeah why well, did it turn but, bixby off the other day too because i don't know how that got back on and it went off i don't know what was said on what we were watching but obviously the phone interpreted as hi bixby and it start responding and i'm like what what the hell is that so i had to go in and find the bixby settings again which is a samsung only thing and it's really kind of annoying and it's yep. that's the most annoying thing with all of this software isn't that they that they include it it's that they make it nearly impossible for you if not totally impossible for you to remove it from the device well, yeah, yeah, I gave up on Samsung about the time I realized that they set the flag that says thou shalt not uninstall for the Facebook app that came pre-installed on this thing. Oh, you that love was when Meta. I went out. That was when I went out and got the dev tools and said, OK, you know what? I'm going to start ripping bits of this operating system out until the phone doesn't work anymore. And then I can use it. 
and then I'll then I'll maybe add something back in just in case. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> maybe like we talked about. Don't use your phone's SMS service because that's not private. Don't use Facebook Messenger because that's not private. And although one of the what was it Signal? Uh, I think Signal had something where a bunch of email addresses were exposed recently. I mean, trying to get privacy is very hard at this point in so- time. I told you I wanted to rag on the New York Post. Yes. Um, the the story about the the porn actresses. The, the uh, what has officially happened is a loss. Uh, a, a lawsuit has been filed against OnlyFans and Facebook, Meta, whatever, um, alleging that they did all of these things. That they put that OnlyFans put people on the terror watch list. However, the New York Post, I had to go seven paragraphs into the story before I found out uh, what their sources were or what, you know, what had actually happened, where this data was coming before they mentioned that it came from a lawsuit. The first six paragraphs of it, New York Post just told it like this happened. This happened. It's gospel. uh, OnlyFans did this. Facebook did this before finally coming out and saying, you know, actually, this information came from a court filing. Which uh, I don't have to tell you, not been proven. They're so, allegations. So screw you, New York Post, because it, I had to go seven paragraphs in of of listening to what is effective. You know, maybe it's true. The court may find that it's true, but the New York Post has already decided it's true and reported it as if this came from the the source of all knowledge before they finally say oh and by the way it came out of a loss i just that that rubbed me the wrong way it's because journalisming is dead people that are doing this now do not know what they're doing the quality is not what it once was the concept that you had to verify a story before it would go to print is long dead and i know this seems like a surprise to some people if you're under 30 years old you've never lived through this time but we were still around at the end of this was, where people wouldn't run a story unless they had confirmation. Yeah, that was that was weird. Like there were there were times when a story would not come out until the next day because they didn't know it for sure. Uh-huh. That was weird. Yeah, they didn't so, just post it on Twitter. Here's why, however, um and a, a couple minutes ago I dropped the the New York Post link into the troll room if anybody wants to check it out, but here's why the New York Post gets some credit back. And that is uh, they posted large high resolution pictures of the people alleged er, the alleged plaintiffs in this lawsuit. And I'll give them credit for that because, of course, these are porn stars. So what would be the points of OnlyFans wanting these people on a terror watch list uh, to censor them from if if they're not on OnlyFans wants to. Oh, so they're if they're not on OnlyFans. uh, yeah the yeah the idea is these are people who are not on OnlyFans and OnlyFans wanted to increase their own business by censoring any people actresses who are on other platforms. No. Okay, so this is a very interesting uh corporate espionage with porn stars. That's kind of yeah, that's <laughs> I, I it strikes me as incredibly slimy and sleazy and I know that's unusual coming from a, a porn service. I think we need a web series about this. So, so this story is why I opened the show with uh, where even the porn is being censored. Well, that is no good. We want freedom. I, 
Now, there is another related story that came. Uh, it was a couple months ago, but also from the New York Post. Uh, but I just had to I had to look at this side by side with the first one, which was a uh, as they reported a skinfluencer, uh, another porn star. This one by the name of Kitty Lixo. I have who, never wait. wait I, this one, I can't just go right past this. I have never heard the term skinfluencer, but it is hilarious. <laughs> that's I, that yes i had to write that one down like, i was damn. like i gotta read this correctly because yeah the, the new york post referred to her as a skinfluencer the yeah, um, it's like the influencers at the center of the social media wars she she posts uh this person kitty lixo posts uh outright porn to i don't know if it's only fans or i think only fans yeah she posts uh and she posts links to her only fans to her instagram where she posts there she posted bikini shots, so not technically porn, but racy. Right. It's, and it's uh, the teaser. This is this is where the, the Facebook policy I read earlier comes in uh, because she links to her, a quote unquote porn site. Although, you know, the Facebook people say are very careful to say, well, it's not actually a porn website. Yes, it is. But she posts links to OnlyFans on her Instagram had got her account banned several times for this and uh, quote. The first time I got my Instagram shut down, one of my friends, he works at Instagram. He's a guy friend. So I started sleeping with him to have him get my Instagram account back. And he did, which was really nice of him. Yeah, I read this. (laughs) Or I contacted them on Instagram through my backup and still slutty account. We met up and I like fucked a couple of them and I was able to get my back account back like two or three times. This two is, or three times yeah well, the, well yeah come on you know what programmers and the guys working in this uh instagram are like hell right yeah like, yeah if yeah. i worked there and i was in charge of well first of all the the criteria used for banning people from these platforms is so wishy-washy it's really did somebody have an you know did did some woke tard have an emotional reaction did somebody complain did did we get uh, an AI hit the, like there's no objective reason to put you on these ban lists or take you off of them. So, I mean, it's entirely subjective. It's entirely up to the guy who has the handle to pull, to poke the database. And if I was that guy, hell yeah, I'd be having sex with porn stars. Then he doesn't have to pull the handle or poke the database. He has something else to poke in the handle, but exactly. But I digress. And um. And that picture, of course, had many, many pictures or that article from New York Post had many pictures of Kitty Lixo. Um, So, again, uh, you know, props to the New York Post for making sure to to keep me interested, despite how crappy (laughs) your reporting is. I find it interesting that these social media sites are so worried about links going out of their site. I mean, there are so many links that are posted for a variety of different things. I don't understand why they think they should have any control or why do you care if you're Instagram and somebody's posting content that is obviously gaining you eyeballs, but then also links off to another site. Everybody can do that. It's like, well, now you're just making the judgment where, you know, if, uh, you know, a major league baseball player does that and links to his own personal website where he's selling merch and stuff, well, that's fine. But if a, porn actress does it well then that's bad it's like that makes no sense at the very you know if you really want to think you're doing something to protect the children and insulate yourself then do what banks do and 
and a lot, some other websites do this as well. When you're leaving a website, you get the, hey, warning, just to let you know, you're leaving our website and anything you're about to see has nothing to do with us. Why not just do I that? I hate those. Yeah, but why not just do that <laughs> rather than, well, we're no, we're going to block you. We're well, going to ban you. We're going to not let yeah, you why, do it. Why? Why ban and censor content on the Internet? Well, ideologically speaking, it's always about thought control. It's because something is not right. And we believe, you know, we, the people running these platforms, believe that it is possible to change the way people think by banning what they can and can't see. And since when are the crazy lefties the ones against porn? (laughs) Right. I I am not a crazy lefty, but I will say I am pro porn. See, there you go. So, you don't. that's not where it kind of fits in. I thought they wanted I, I, I tried being conservative funny. once and I got to the part where I was supposed to be uh, annoyed and disgusted when I was looking at boobies. And I went, I can't do that. Like, I like boobs. It's the uh, Bemrose method. Yes. Well, we all like boobs on this show. Over 9000 VNC servers exposed online without a password. Is that bad? I, only if one of them is yours and you <laughs> wanted to keep it secure. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there was that, uh, which I, you know, there's a lot of these articles, which feels like they're things that we have talked about and you kind of keep hitting the same thing over and over again. It's like, uh, do what you can to secure your stuff. Understand what you're doing when you install software. If you're going to install some kind of remote access software to your machine and don't realize that you're now setting it up, that anybody who accidentally runs across your IP address can get into your system then you kind of get what you get. There was another article exploit out for critical real tech flaw affecting many networking devices. This was on bleeping computer as well, which I think all comes down to the same thing, which is how much lifespan do most routers have? Now, I mean, this article mentioned that there were some internet of things devices, which could be affected, but overall, For most home users, your Internet of Things device is probably not publicly accessible on the Internet unless you make it so. It's your router. That's the first line of defense. And it's if the router is why, which is why the absolute best router feature, if you happen to be developing malware, is the uh, remote administration thing that uh, there, there was a period of time for a couple of years where. In order to maximize convenience, routers were being shipped with the remote admin features turned on so that they could just you could admin the router from the Internet, which I don't think most companies do that anymore. No, and it's I mean, it's if you set it up that way and you understand what you're doing and you have a secure password, then you're at least a little safer than the ones that are out there with, you know, the the default password and credentials that yeah. the devices come with. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people realize that, that there are. Uh, the the default credentials are actually super dangerous there uh a couple months ago i did a story on uh a default password uh where where remote administration was turned off and so uh somebody had found a way to do a a bounce attack which would uh like you go to a website and it would use javascript on the website to then get inside your network and then your browser would send out a request which would compromise the router using the default credentials from within because it's on your computer nice anyway 
That's interesting. I have no name says I enjoy hotels with admin admin credentials. Yeah. You know, it's been a long time since I've been in a hotel using the Wi-Fi or the wired. But yeah, I'm always looking for, oh, what's the uh, what's the router? What's the device? Can What's the. Oh, yeah. Uh, can we can we log into this? Can we fi- figure out what's going on? Can we uh, can we poke around? You know, I'm usually willing to have some respect for for the hotel Wi-Fi. Like, okay, they they set this up for my convenience. I'm gonna I'm gonna let it. You know, I'm 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 not gonna try to hack them. I'm just gonna appreciate what they've done right up until I try to connect to a website and it redirects me to some ad laden garbage site that says you have to sign in with credentials and and do this and do. And I'm like, okay, you know what? You guys just hijacked my browsing session. So. Both barrels. Thank you for being a guest of the Bemrose B&B. You must log in with your username, social security number, and enter your credit card here. See, this is why I only use the Bemrose VPN as advertised on the Dark Sewer Network. And that gets around everything. <laughs> yes. Gets you right in and right out. And it's unhackable because it's always down. Yeah. But I, I'm kind of curious. It only gives you bad content. Oh, I'm sorry. But with this... Uh, with this uh, exploit with the real tech stuff and they were talking about where was it the, all of the uh, you know the router brands that were a part of this were all of the big ones i mean so this isn't like these are random chinese routers you know they were the d-links and the uh, you know the the main stuff was like oh yeah i, I would buy their stuff the the, the so-called reputable ones right right yeah. uh, products okay among them asus tech belkin buffalo d-link Edimax, which I've never heard of, TrendNet, and Zyxel, which I've never heard of, Z-Y-X-E-L. But the other ones I, I have. Yeah. Did you said Netgear? Um, not Netgear. It was TrendNet. No. Okay. Asus Tech, which is the Asus brand. Of- yeah. But I mean, these are all the kind of things that you would get in uh, if, if you went to your local fries. Do those still exist? They might. I mean, you can, uh, not, you can just if, go get them at McDonald's. Or, or, you know, your local Circuit City. Yes. I worked at one of those. It was a great place to be. But I noticed that it's been for uh, my Linksys router. It's been well over a year since the last firmware upgrade. And I'm like, ah, maybe I need to put uh, need to put the uh, uh, alternate firmware back on that because I run the alternate firmware. The uh, why am I blanking on the name of the big one? Uh, DDWRT. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I can put that on there. But tomato. The, well, tomato as well. DDWRT, I've always been more potato. Uh, yeah, potato, tomato, potato. It's, they're different kind of firmwares. But I'm wondering, like, really, what should people expect out of a router now? And I guess maybe most people, I mean, if you're the people who just let your ISP take care of it and go, oh, I'll use your modem router combo, then you don't have to worry about this until, well, those devices are. Uh, out there but the, the isps do a decent job but if you have your own router as i do really what kind of uh, time period should you expect these things to last and be secure are we down to now where it's like yeah you're going to get like two to three years tops but otherwise you need to keep updating well, these things because they're not I, updating it, them it's something that a lot of people don't really acknowledge but has always been true in computing the more complicated you make something the more the more security and reliability issues you're going to have. It's just a matter of software is complicated. Programmers are lazy. People don't always test their stuff. And so the more bells and whistles, the more things can go wrong, period. And, uh, you know, 
people used to use routers for 10 years because all it did was route packets and they're getting more complicated and we're finding more, well, we're finding security flaw. We're also finding security flaws in the 10 year old ones, which is pretty dangerous because if you've been with your ISP for 15 years, not all ISPs are really good about making sure that you get updated stuff. Right. And as long as you're still what, paying and renting for the modem and not yeah. asking for a new one, what, what's going to prompt you to get a new one? Well, for most people, the thing that the, they don't even think about their router, they never will. Why would they? It's an appliance. Right. And I, I at least, you know, I came from an era where an appliance just kept working and kept working and kept working and did its job for basically ever until it finally wore out and then it did nothing and then you replaced it. But you know routers were always treated like that and they weren't certainly weren't treated as a vector for malware to get into your system which i guess they are now but the other thing is you know a 15 year old router on the internet today is going to be highly highly inefficient because the expected routing load of the internet 15 years ago is not the same as the routing load today and the, the the thing is the router doesn't fail it just runs slower yeah and not who efficient. calls their isp because they've gradually you know it, it's very 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 gradual but now it takes three seconds to connect to a website instead of half a second they're just like nobody well, it could be your machine you have to connect everything direct which is my favorite when i yeah, had yeah, problems plug your machine directly into the router like no i've got enough malware thanks uh-huh it's like yeah i don't think so or your device in this case would be hook your device directly up to the modem it's like um no because we want to make sure it's not your router that's the problem it's like no not gonna do that not fun yeah well that's how it works though i don't i don't envy tech support at major isps because of the sheer number of utter utter arrogant retards they have to deal with (laughs) but at the same time the tech support scripts that they have to read especially the first line tech support before you've complained enough to get escalated to tier two are bone dead stupid like yes i tried turning it off and back on again what do you mean you want me to do it again while i'm on the phone right okay it's you're wasting my time i know you're getting paid for the time but i'm not yeah and i've sat there with guys on the phone going okay can you do this now and i'm like yep this okay this yep any different no and i've just just answering the questions wasn't touching anything they're like (laughs) or 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 when they're like okay i need you to open up a command for what am what am i typing uh i can okay my local address is this my and they're like how did you get all that information because i knew you'd need it (laughs) because i've been through this rodeo before (laughs) and i probably know more about the system than you do so can you just give me to somebody else yeah i (laughs) i know more about this than you do the only thing i don't have is the tools and and database poking devices in front of me that let me fix your network so please talk to me or connect me with somebody who understands how your network works so that I can communicate on a level that gets my problem solved. That's Thank usually you. about the time you get a dial tone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've also, it, it may, it may not surprise you to learn that I have, uh, I have had customer service, sir. Can you please calm down? No, no, that's not actually why I'm calling. You're like, I'm I am not actually, calm. I am if actually I were calm, calm. <laughs> If I were calm, I wouldn't need to be talking to your retarded ass. You're like, how do you know I'm not calm? 
I'm really calm right now. This is how I sound all the time. Yeah, this is very. Uh, I mean, we got you can't you can't uh, judge people on so many things. How you? I'd be like, I'm going to sue you for for it's not ageism, yeah. it's not sexism, did, it's what is did it? Did you chillism? just assume my mood? Yes, you moodism. How dare you? <laughs> how dare you think I'm angry? You fucking asshole! Yeah. What what makes you think I'm not calm? Because I've been on hold for 48 hours straight. Your call is very important to us. I mean, I'm also the, that guy who who starts when it when the customer service line connects you to the two, you know, to speak in English, please press one to talk to you. And, you know, it like it takes. My, OK, Uh-oh. that outburst apparently was excessive because my wife just brought me a beer. Oh, well, that's not a bad idea. How do I get one? Well, it is afternoon, but I don't think I'm going to crack it open on the show just yet. <laughs> she, she didn't understand that you were just recreating anger and not actually experiencing anger. Yeah, I'm the guy who when when I get faced with those automated systems and I, I don't know if you've noticed, but I speak a little fast. I also can listen really fast and even better. I can read really fast. What I can't do is. If you want to talk about your account, please say the word account or press two, 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 cut him. Why did you just waste 25 minutes of my time in just the amount of time that it takes for your stupid system to speak the slow ass words? That's why I've gotten to the point where my first call. As soon as I get the automated system, I'm just hammering the zero key. See if it does anything for me. Right. You want the uh, which is exactly what Servo was pointing out with the website. GetHuman.org. There are. Oh, love that one. Yeah. Secrets to getting to a real person when you call a customer service line. Uh, one of the tips I think we talked about way back was that always press two for Spanish if the uh, wait times are really long and then just speak English because 99 percent of the time the yes. people that are there to speak Spanish, also speak English. So if you just start speaking English, they will answer you where the English line will maybe send you to uh, India, which actually does not speak English. Where they don't speak English. Yes. Very confusing. Very confusing. That's actually not fair. I have encountered Indian techs who speak English a hell of a lot better than a lot of Americans. Oh, yeah. But that's not setting a high bar. That is absolutely true. But I've also had some Indian tech support that was very nice was trying to do their job but i finally but you can't them, understand them. right i'm like i really cannot understand what you're saying so this is not unfortunately helpful this is actually making things worse so uh yeah and that's that's before adjusting for the audio quality on my five-year-old samsung right right which is why i love the te- when you can do text online we're gonna do a chat online rather than phone yes i prefer that I know a lot of people don't. I can even type faster than I can talk. I know True. that that is unusual, but I was the most intrigued, although this makes sense because automating things is cutting down on man hours, which, of course, is making things cheaper for them. The other day when I had to go to the dentist, I got home and was a little distracted. So I forgot that I had a credit card bill to pay. So I realized it, you know, the next day and paid it. Yeah, uh, the the late fee didn't show up until after I paid it, which was really annoying. Because I mean, I would think the late fee should be a- <laughs> just like wait, I, why <laughs> right. am I dealing with this again? 
right. It's like, but I did, I did this. Uh, and I was really surprised. This was, I believe, uh, was either Citibank or Chase. And I went into the thing like, well, okay, contact us, you know, do the text thing. And they're like, tell us within a few words what the problem is. So I typed in, you know, late fee. And the thing automatically came back with, oh, it looks like you have been charged a late fee recently. And it already had the button there, which was yeah. remove late fee. So I okay, that was going to say, where where's the button that says, yes, I did. I did the usual thing. I called up. Now, can you get rid of this fee? Right. They, that, they just automated that. Yes. The button was there to remove that, late fee and you press that. Excellent. And it's like the late fee has been removed, as has the interest charge on the, because, you know, because some bean counter went in and looked and said, OK, people calling up and asking to get late fees removed counts for 36 percent of our tech calls and we can save more in tech support fees by just automating this than we would by trying to collect the late fees. So let's do it that way. Yes. So another tip is if you get a late fee and you don't do this constantly, ask for it to be removed or go in because they will remove it. That's actually how most customer service will do it. A lot of them will have like you say your name and they pull up your account, which has your entire history of everything that, tech said about your calls so if you're rude to text they put that down in your in in your account and now every tech that you talk to from then realizes that hey you know you called this particular one a bitch or whatever right that's going on down the line so here one tip for dealing with tech support is no matter how infuriated you are it actually pays to be polite now don't put up with crap but go ahead and do it politely don't scream at people and get angry like i was doing earlier it doesn't work very well and you won't always get free beer no the most upset that i've ever been with a customer service agent was with a woman that worked at gmac this is going way back this is probably going back 20 years or so and i made the about the last time i interacted with gmac yeah and rightfully so because I made the mistake of paying my car payment so early that somehow they gave me a late charge. And oh. it was like it came in like like right like when the period was starting, then towards the end or whatever it was. So I call up and I'm like, I don't understand. You know, here's my check number. Here's when this was paid. This wasn't paid late. This was paid early. And of course, you hear the clickety click, click, click on the keyboard, this, this, and this. And it's like, okay. Um, well, as a one time courtesy, I'll remove that from your account. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. No, it not as a one time courtesy. It was not late. Well, yes, sir. I said as a one time courtesy. I'm like, fuck you. No, it is not as a one time courtesy to me. You messed up. You fucked up. It wasn't late. So don't tell me you're doing me a courtesy to take a late fee off. Because I paid fucking early and then she just didn't get it. I mean, I guess maybe this has never happened in the history of her job, but well, it's like, the phrase one time courtesy is, is built in. It's, it's like the automatic thank you or right. You know, it's like, but what if I actually fucking pay late now? Now I don't get the courtesy because I didn't pay late this time. So where's my mulligan, man? You're trying to get my mulligan. You're trying to kill my mulligan. Yeah, a lot of a lot of tech support will also, I mean, like you're describing a lot of tech support. If if this is the first time you've ever called about it, they're like, yeah, we'll just give you whatever. We'll just take the hit because maybe we screwed up. Maybe we didn't. But you're worth keeping as a customer. 
Maybe. But the reason they have your account in front of you is if you call up every single month and demand the same thing, they're like, you know, how about no? Right. Which is, makes sense because you're now yeah, abusing the system. Exactly. In a servo. But if, exactly you don't, right. if you're not a system abuser and a company screws you, calling tech support can, I mean, it'll do a couple things. One is you might, you might get that fee reversed. And the other is that'll be you 25 minutes talking to an IVR machine that you'll never get back. Servo's absolutely right. Two, in the troll two, room. Two. Right. He's like, does not compute. They have to follow the script or they go haywire. So this has never happened. Yeah. This wasn't in the script. What to do? GMAC did not have a script at the time that said, sorry, we fucked up. So they just keep blaming well, you no matter what. Not, not GMAC, but I can tell you from some people that I've known who work tech support that uh, if you don't go through all of the points on the script, even, you know, in, this this by the way is just as frustrating for the frontline tech support as it is for the customer but if you call up and you're like my internet is out they're like okay i'm gonna need you to turn this off and back on i'm gonna need you to connect directly to the router and you the customer might know damn well that that will do nothing and on the tech support end they probably know that there's an outage and that they know damn well it's not going to do anything but if they don't follow the script they get dinged in their stats. Right. You could call and, them up and say there was a lightning strike. The modem actually exploded into flames. They'd be like, well, did you try yeah. turning it off and on again? And and they have to. <laughs> they have to. They are not allowed to deviate from the script or they will get knocked down on their stats, which means worse performance review, which means less money because they don't get raises or you know cost of living or whatever. I'd like I'd they, like to turn it off and on again, but it's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> I turned the fire off with an extinguisher, but it won't come back on. Yeah, I don't know how to do this. I need a new unit. Thank I'm, you. I'm just saying, I, I, it, despite as as cranky as I've been, and and it's certainly fun to tell the stories. If it, it doesn't pay to be rude to a customer service person unless they start it. Yes, oh, I agree. But don't you know? Here's the thing. If if you think you're a victim of horrible company policies, just imagine how much a victim they are for having to deal with the same policy day in and day out dozens of times a day. Yeah. One of my favorite support call stories that I've heard was a buddy that was working support for a company way back in the day that did nothing but sinking software. So they had some uh, big clients like sinking like the Titanic. Correct. I mean, syncing from yeah. device data from one device to the other. So keeping uh, everything in sync, synchronicity, synchronizing, yeah. syncing software, putting it at the bottom of the Atlantic. Exactly. Same thing. This should be for some of them. But <laughs> he had to have a call and he was very, you know, trying to be as nice as you could to the client. But the client put a on the one machine, a rule to mirror the other machine. And then deleted the hard drive on the one machine. Oh, no. Which, of course, the other machine went mirror. Everything deleted there. Everything yeah. deleted here. And the customer's like, but it, it deleted everything. And he's like, but it was a mirror. I don't understand. Why would it delete that? Because it was a mirror. <laughs> you deleted everything off of this one. <laughs> Ergo, mirror. And, you know, yeah. what's, it's, people don't understand. You have to know the terms and understand what you're setting up. But it was like, yes, basically. The guy's wrong setting ended up nuking all of his data and you got to feel sorry, but it's like, 
I mean, and that nobody wants to hear. Sorry, customer. No. You set it up wrong. <laughs> what what one of the most horrible phrases you can ever hear from an IT guy is you kept backups, didn't you? Right. No, I thought that's what I was doing here by having a mirror of the data. <laughs> yeah, but if you delete on one side, you delete you gotta understand there are differences between always keeping a copy of one on the other and then you know not deleting if the other one disappears. That's that's not the same as mirroring. That's backing up or whatever they're called, you know, whatever that software was calling it at the time. Yeah. I pressed delete and now my files are gone. Uh-huh. <laughs> Servo. That's exactly how it goes. And it's like, yeah. well, you're welcome. That's it. worked exactly the way it was supposed to. Or, or, you know, Hey, Hey, Hey doctor, it hurts whenever I, you know, punch a wall. Well, don't punch <laughs> well, a wall. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, very simple. I feel bad for the people that do tech support because they are trying to do a job. But it is you're right. You have to be nice and everybody has to understand it's a frustrating time. Like when you call the Fitbit people, I mean, they're especially if you're working for somebody and you know that a product just got borked like that. And all of a sudden, the you're like, oh, yeah, you walk in and like all the lines are lit up. And, it's like, oh, this is going to be one of them. Days. And the, the, the customer service people at Fitbit after about the third call of the day are like, this is going to this day's going to suck. Well, this is where you decide that you just can't take any calls, which I do need to still change my. Bank. Oh, there have been companies like that where, yeah. you know, something gets horribly broken. They just unplug all their customer service lines because because customers love that sort of thing. Yes, we haven't had any more problems with the bank, but I have not found the bank I want to go to yet. So we've been in inertia with the bank that we've been switched over to because the other bank that we were with was sold to it. But I think well, we may if, have talked about need, that. If you need recommendations, I can. I, I I can give you the names of a few Washington state banks to avoid. Right. Avoid all of those. But when my mom was having issues, cause her account was there as well. She called at like nine 30, the one morning and they were already done taking callbacks for that day. That's how many calls they had gotten. So the only way she got somebody on the phone was to get up at like seven 30 the next day, which was when they're oh my God. and then get in. Wait, the is, queue. is this like a, is this like, contract tech support where there's a quota we only take this many calls i think they only had so much time in the day to uh to do whatever they, I, they yeah but after 9 30 believe it or not there's more time most yeah. days to have okay. well, it was like they were taking callbacks so they probably took 200 names and numbers for callbacks oh. and we're like well yeah we can only do x amount for the day rather than keeping people like on hold because that was tech support right well this was the original day where people were saying they were on hold for more than eight hours and never got somebody to pick up a phone which is bad too so it's not an easy job i get it and you're dealing with nobody calls tech support just to say hi i just wanted to say have a nice day i'm not having a problem tech support is one of those jobs that i could never ever do at least partly because i have absolutely no patience for idiocy but also because every single person you talk to just by necessity of your talking to them is frustrated and annoyed with your company and wants to take it out on you. <laughs> it's such a horrible job. It's like, you know, what you really need want to do when you're in tech support is you want to connect the angry customers with the CEOs and middle managers who made this asinine policy that's pissing them off. Well, that would be easier and that would be more fun and everybody would get a laugh out of that. But this would be, I think, you doing tech support. 
you are too stupid to use this. <laughs> there you go. That that's yeah, that, that that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> We've decided you're too stupid to use our product. Please press here for a full refund and you will be disconnected because we just can't so waste any the, more time. On the topic of of people supporting India, um, I read an interesting article. Uh, I didn't get that much out of it, but uh, Apple is dealing with a new wokeness equality crisis. No. And that is uh, Apple has officially put out a policy. They are uh, the, the the India Today article that I read this in pointed out Apple is the first major tech company to institute a policy banning caste discrimination. Really? Because. Because skin color and gender and uh, uh, pronouns and everything else are not enough to discriminate on. If you're Indian, you also get to discriminate based on caste. Which and, are people in the United States, that basically means your social standing. Yeah, no. it's it's another immutable thing that you're born with and can never change. It's like this and, your upper class, middle class here. That would be your kind of. Yeah, it's kind of like if. If you're in a feudal system, uh, the the aristocrats and nobles versus the peasants, that's that's the caste system, except that, you know, there are no Cinderella stories or of, of somebody being born in the peasant class and working their way up through a magic genie or something that doesn't work in India. It's you're born in this caste. The only way to change caste is to reincarnate after a good life. That's uh, probably an oversimplification. Um, and if you're Indian and want to take issue with my description of it, then. I don't care, but there are people, Indians mainly, who um, at Apple who complained, filed complaints to Apple saying, um, my career is being stifled by my manager because my manager is in a different cast than me and will not give me the career opportunities. And apparently there was uh, somebody in HR or somewhere found enough credibility to these complaints to put forth a policy that says, no, you shouldn't discriminate against people based on what caste they're born into, which to me seems really, really obvious. But these are also the people who think it's a really good idea to discriminate against people who don't have a lot of melanin in their skin. So I, <laughs> I mean, we're not talking particularly bright leftists anyway. No, well, this is a very weird world we live in. No question. The story this week of the Minneapolis school board that decided, well, we're going to write this into the bylaws that for the union, that if people are getting fired, well, you have to fire white people first. It's I like, read that one. Like, are you crazy? I mean, how does this kind of stuff get through? I don't get it, but it is. Further moving things to a tipping point and it's going to get bad. And and by the way, if you happen to have light colored skin and are in in that industry group, school district, whatever it was, just the more clearly thinking of people are going to do the math on this one and realize that, you know what? The union is not working for me anymore. Right. The, The union. The union has officially just thrown you under the bus. Well, and these are crazy leftist policies, so I don't understand why the defense isn't. I identify as black. <laughs> you know, when they're like, okay, you're the white guy, you're Be- getting fired. Because no, no, I identify because as identifying a black female. As, 
Yeah. Because identifying as black shows your white privilege. Oh, that may be. What shows my black privilege when I'm associating that with the. Uh, uh, it's very difficult. Being black. No. Oh, yeah. Okay. I guess if that's. But I don't know this. But, but only the world. right type of black. Right. Because people get to decide example, what they are. Yeah. If, if you if you have dark colored skin and you vote for a Republican, then you're showing your white privilege again. That's true. But it's like, this is how far we've come where this is actually being written into the bylaws of the union that. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And, and, and anybody who's thinking clearly needs to abandon that union. Be like, yeah, we're done here because this union is now officially working against me. Yeah. It's officially this union is trying to get me fired. Yeah. And, uh, and what's the point of a labor union? <laughs> not, not to get everybody fired. To screw I, the man, to screw the big bad corporation. You don't need me to go into another anti-union rant. I think I've I've definitely in in 190 episodes I've made my position pretty clear on how I don't think that unions are uh, a benefit to society anymore. They may have been in the industrial revolution, but they're not. They're they're a drain on society. Well, they went from trying to protect workers from conditions that could kill them to trying to placate a bunch of woke rejects is really what it's come down to. That's also what HR does. That's what woke CEOs do. That's yeah, that's every, that's what Democrats do. I identify as a creature that only works one day a year. So, okay, I will go, I'll go through it. This is, this is going to be a surgeon level digression, but wow. That's really unions, moving down the levels here. When unions were first created, uh, it was because in the Industrial Revolution, you had uh, one guy or one small group of people at the top of the company who owned the company, who owned the company town, who did whatever they want. And yeah, they often paid you a company script. They would exploit the hell out of the workers and basically do all kinds of things that were absolutely awful to the workers. And you couldn't complain because, first of all, the factory was sometimes the only job in town. But let's assume it wasn't because we'll try to work under the constraints of capitalism where there's competition. Fine. But if you are a worker here and you say anything bad or you step out of line just a little bit, then they look at you and say, "Okay, you're fired. The next person in line who wants a job, fill in, take that spot. This, by the way, is also why uh, unions are, have always been of high benefit to unskilled labor because they're so easy to re- to replace. Um, anytime that somebody like some idiot at Apple or Microsoft decides that they want to unionize all the engineers, the unions don't work well for skilled labor because skilled labor can do better by negotiating individually than they can collectively. But anyway, so. Right. When when the company was screwing over the workers, the workers said, we need to not be screwed so badly and they can fire any one of us who complains, but they can't fire all of us. So the union got together. And if so, the checks and balances system, if the corporation company demands too much, the union strikes, they do a work stoppage, a work slowdown, the company loses money. And so that is a check on the company asking for too much. You know, keep your keep your employees happy or they're going to they're going to slow down work. They're going to cost you money. But there's a check in the other direction. 
which has become lost to history. And that check is what if the people in the union ask for too much? What if they say, uh, we're sorry, but we require in every eight hour shift, we require four hours of jacuzzi breaks and a uh, 500% cost of living increase every six months. And, you know, things that are completely outrageous and unreasonable. Well, back in the day of the company town or whatever, if the union genuinely demanded too much and wouldn't come to the negotiating table and wouldn't back down, the company went out of business because they couldn't afford to do what the union wanted. When the company goes out of business, everybody's screwed. Nobody has a job. So that's a check on the union power because the union wouldn't want to ask for too much more. But today, these big corporations won't go out of business when you ask for too much. So there's no check, no protection against them demanding that, you know, uh, we want free Uber rides in between buildings and we, you know, whatever it is that they demand. If, if they ask for too much, then the big Uber multinational corporations are not going to shut down. So what are they going to do? And even worse, and this is this has always been one of my big union rants is. I honestly believe that unions of government employees should not be legal, period. And the reason is, again, that same check and balance. If the union demands too much, you can't shut down the government, you know, no matter how much the the Republicans complaining of against spending bills in Congress would. They don't even shut down the government when that happens. They just, you know, you they defer checks and then they end up spending five times as much when uh, they finally give in and pass the spending bill. but. There's no check on the power of a union of government employees. And the biggest example of this is teachers unions, because if the teachers unions, you know, they'll they they already only work 180 days a year and they get all summer off. And, okay, you know, all the things I'm going to get a lot of flack from teachers for this, whatever. But they can demand anything they want. And the districts just have to give it to them, because what's the other alternative? You shut down the school. Well, that's not legal. So they can't do that. So there really is no recourse. There's no check on the power of the union. And well, they're so, going to fire white people first. If you're in Minneapolis, that's the trick. Yeah, <laughs> this is it. Yeah. This I mean, is they, unions to, run within up. reason, they can, within reason, they can screw over the parents and students and be like, you know, Oh, well, we're sorry, but the teachers unions demanded an extra espresso machine in every classroom. So, we're going to shut down all after-school sports. That seems reasonable. And well, I mean, it, I, I don't know if that's the exact example, but but shut down all after-school sports is one of the first levers that a school board will pull to punish parents and who vote against levies, for example. Well, it's again getting to the point. We've all heard the stories of teachers that just show up and sit in a room without students all day. To keep collecting a check because they had tenure and they couldn't be fired, even though they were pedos or whatever the thing was that made them so they couldn't no longer serve in a classroom. But the union protected the 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 modern term is groomer, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. You got to be a groomer. And this is what happened. This is so this is when the concept of a union has gone from protecting the people that are working to be in safe working conditions to now protecting the jobs of people that should not have them yes a little bit of overreach yeah it it is Uh, yeah 
I was going into this one last night. I, as long as I'm ranting, I'll go ahead and, and bring this one too. And it's about the instances of, well, we'll just call it pedophilia, grooming, whatever, the, the bringing sexual contents to five-year-olds uh, uh, that you're seeing in public school. And I have received flack from uh, a couple people that I know who are teachers and who are in fact good. They're good people and they really want to help the kids. I don't know that. I don't think they're necessarily going about it the right way being public school teachers, but, but they're trying. public school teachers. 96%. I don't know why I keep pulling out 96. It's just a number I keep doing, but whatever, uh, you know, you know that 96% of statistics are made up on the spot anyway. Exactly. But 96% of public school teachers are genuine, good people who at best really want what's right for the student. And at worst are, trying to pull down a paycheck and feel like they can help out kids along the way. But there's that tiny minority who are genuinely evil people and are fucking up your kids are, uh, you know, trying to feeling like it's more important to teach them how to be woke than how to speak correctly or, you know, talk good English there's a small minority of people who are really messing up your kids, who are violating the trust placed in teachers, who are uh, exposing them to, uh, you know, taking taking a prepubescent child and and introducing them to sexualities and genders that you just, I, I don't even care if you're trying to normalize it. Don't normalize it to an eight year old. But these people need to not be teachers. Because they're bad for students. Now, I'm not going to condemn the entire teaching profession because a couple of them are bad. But here's why I will condemn the entire teaching profession. Because you're protecting them. Right. If, if the good teachers would turn on the pedophile groomers and drum them out of the profession, then I would have a lot more sympathy for the good teachers. But as long as you and your unions are sitting here making it impossible to get rid of the people who are sexually abusing small children, then yes, your entire industry is corrupt and needs to go away. Well, because they're, oh, we're afraid it's going to come back to us or this is going to you know, lessen their power. And, and then if that's the case, you have a, a pretty screwed up system to begin with. But it's the same case that's made with. You know, we all know there's lots of good cops. There's also a few bad ones. And the whole system would work a hell of a lot better if the good ones, as part of their job, helped get rid of the bad ones. Yeah. Just just assume that I just made exactly the same rant about teachers and made them about cops, where I know that 96% of cops are genuinely good people. But as long as you protect the bad ones who are violating civil rights and, you know, then then your industry has got a problem. That seems reasonable to me. You've been hit with a bad okay. rant. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like I've ranted. <laughs> now I need a beer. Oh, look. There's one right there. It's a magic. It shows up. <laughs> it's right next to me. It's also as, getting warm. Yeah, I was gonna say not as cold anymore unless it had one of those little uh those little sleeves on it that are frozen that keeps no. the beer at a nice cool temperature. No, I'm I'm and I'm still enjoying climate change. There, oh, is it still warm uh, the, in the The Seattle current one area? is is uh we we have uh we haven't reached that point in the calendar 
that is uh, absolutely unprecedented, uh, according to all the local news, despite the fact that it happens every year when the wildfire smoke is starting to come up over the over the mountains. And the result is that I am congested. I'm using the mute button to cough a lot. Um, We are we are enjoying poor air quality uh, starting today. You need it happens every year because wildfires happen every year. But of course, it's climate change. Well, it depends what the temperature is, too, because otherwise you could just load up on air purifiers and, uh, you know, that would help your indoor air quality. But since you don't have the AC, it then becomes stiflingly warm. And when you try to get cool air in, it's well, got a little bit of that. Well, uh, fortunately, that it's not air. super warm right now. There was an article uh, oh, on the whole climate yeah, it's, change. It's thing. only 80 degrees outside right now. Oh, well, see, for you guys, that's hot as hell. <laughs> it's, it, I'm sweating. You know, for here, it's like 80 something degrees, but this is normal. But there was an article I saw the other day. I forget what they were calling this. Uh, maybe there there was it was on like Chicago, what it was going to be in like 2050. Like, oh, it's going to be part of this whole new. The whole country is going to have these, you know, 100 plus days for weeks on end. Uh, and it's like, you know, you can't even tell me. What that's the we- never happened in history right well and you also can't tell me what the weather is going to be tomorrow and they're never you know not, they're not off- unless you have the keys to harp <laughs> you know they're they're always off i mean it's always interesting to me to go look at the 10-day forecast and like the other day i was like wow it looks like you know in the next 10 days that there were only it was only gonna be like two or three days over 80 the rest of them were in the 70s and then you, know, you go the next day and you look at the same 10 day forecast and it's like nine out of the 10 days are going to be in the 80s. It's like, well, how did that change? You know, instantaneously. I, can't, but, I couldn't complain about that. The 80s were a much better decade. Well, they were. They were much more fun. People dressed a lot more snazzier. The television was better. The music was better. I don't think there's any question uh, about all of that. But I just thought it was interesting because they were showing the maps and stuff like oh here's what's going to be happening in you know 40 or 50 years and everything's going to continue to get hotter it's like um i don't know i don't buy it and i really don't buy that it was man-made because nobody's ever proven that although we're acting as if that is the answer but you know this is the problem when people don't pay attention that politicians are bought and sold they're either corrupt or they're ignorant to what the reality is which is how we get down this path, which I mean, I get it, but I don't really know what you can do about it because you can't really get everybody out of, uh, out of the government that should be, uh, well, not without a lot of fighting or a lot of weapons. Yeah. I was seeing if I could, I mean, I mean, we've done it in this country before. (laughs) Yes. Here, let's see. This was, uh, an NBC Chicago. Illinois, Indiana could be part of, quote, extreme heat belt, end quote, impacted by 125 degree heat indices within 30 years, says a study. Well, a study, a study. Did they link to the study? According to the national risk assessment compiled by the nonprofit First Street Foundation, all of Illinois and most of Indiana would be part of that belt, which could stretch from Texas all the way through a good portion of the Midwest. Now, and who purchased this study? I, that's a good question. Who is the First Street 
foundation is that's i guess probably the first question but first street is the brand name of some bulk restaurant products around here <laughs> maybe could I be a, i have a package of kielbasa in my freezer with first street on the label oh are they delicious they they are when i grill them oh it gosh. says according to the foundation's They're risk factor Cook County, which is where Chicago is, is expected to see its number of days with heat indices over 100 degrees increase by more than 114 percent over the next 30 years. Yes, I I bet if you if you check for studies, you could find one that says Illinois is uh, experiencing climate change at twice the rate of the rest of the world. Right. Well, that depends who. uh, have you seen those memes, uh, a, a mashup of local stories where every single local story says, you know, whatever locality it's in is he increasing in temperature at twice the rate of the rest of the world everywhere is. It's amazing, isn't it? Yes. It's funny how that can even math. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's all on uh, firststreet.org. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing this is more of the same type of. Uh, the same type of academics. Oh, let's see here. Our partners, Amazon Web Services, of course, is a partner. That's uh, that's good. The 2040 Foundation. Who the hell is the 2040 Foundation? They are based out of Brooklyn, New York. What is their mission? I, Do I want to know? Make climate you know, the risk funny thing accessible. Is this, this goes right into uh, my last story, which uh, came out of Wired which is uh, talking about a reproducibility crisis in, in science today. <laughs> what a shocker. Yes. Uh, because people are getting sucked into the hype for AI and have thrown scientific rigor out the window. There are a few machine learning companies that are aggressively marketing to uh, basically anybody who wants a scientific result and going, here, just plug your model in one end and pull the lever and out the other end comes predictions. And they're making really boneheaded basic mistakes in scientific rigor. And the results they're coming up with are completely off. But um, what, well, as Wired puts it, um, the results are not reproducible because they're not scientific yeah that was gonna say that's very inconvenient for science if you can't reproduce the results yeah well then then it's suddenly not science well okay it's bad science if you can't reproduce the results it's not science if you don't bother to try which is where most of these things are coming from when somebody says a study it's did did anybody bother to try to reproduce that if not then it's hearsay hearsay Ooh, unfortunately, um, a servo says he can't reproduce the study that shows we have a reproducible reproducibility problem in science. Well, that's fine. I'll just go ahead with hearsay and anecdotes. For example, um, Google flu. Do you remember that one? That's almost 10 years old. They Google. Uh, it's an early one. Decided to put a bunch of epidemic information into an AI. This was pre covid. And uh, everybody, all the Silicon Valley press just creamed over it because they were going to be able to predict the flu outbreaks and exactly which strains became popular. And uh, after 2013, when this went online, of course, the flu shot has been correct every single year, right? No, 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 it has. Um, they have never successfully predicted a flu outbreak. Uh, there's a COVID, a, a number of COVID-19 papers, although, you know, science completely went out the window when people started trying desperately trying to prove that COVID-19 was a thing. 
uh, where data was skewed because it came from a variety of different imaging machines, so they say. Or there were studies that used machine learning to the phenomenon of major results in psychology that were proved that proved uh, were provably impossible to replicate. Like not only did nobody bother to try, not only was nobody able to replicate, somebody came along and looked at this and said, your methodology is not possible to replicate again, not science. Yes. That's inconvenience. Um, Yeah. They say, you know, researchers using these new AI tools are prone to using too small, uh, uh, learning sets, too little data, misreading the statistical significance of the results or even intentionally misinterpreting. Well, that's how you push your ideology by it. I mean, that's, that's how junk science works, but now we have junk science with AI intentionally getting the result that you want without any real roadmap. Yes, because, because what's driving the results in most studies these days, it's not the science, it's the cash. Somebody comes to you and it's like, hey, you know, we just happen to represent a bunch of uh, corn growers. So can you say that uh, consuming corn is the healthiest thing you could possibly do for yourself? That would be good. Yes. Is that is that when frosted mini wheats suddenly become one of the most healthy foods you can eat? Probably. They are delicious. What, 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 what? I don't remember where that came from, but they talked about it on No Agenda on Sunday. Frosted mini wheats. Adam brought, Adam brought a list that the, the list had like the most. The most healthy things you could possibly eat were frosted mini wheats and honey nut Cheerios, which sound a lot like uh, sponsor spots to me. And the least healthy, the bottom of the list, the worst things you could eat were uh, bacon, yeah, and hot steak, dogs. and butter. I love bacon steps. Uh, you know what? Sometimes I put bacon, steak, and butter all in the same dish. You put them all in the same pan. It's fucking fantastic. <laughs> yes. And also a lot healthier than than most breakfast cereals, which are nothing more than sugar coated carbs. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's all it is. You've got sugar and grain, and uh, that's it. I mean, the- you, you know what? If you read the the nutrition labels on any breakfast cereal, uh, the nutrition label is not for the dry cereal. The nutrition label is always when you put uh, usually skim milk on it, and so with the skim they can. They can list all of the protein from the milk. They can list the fats from the milk. They can list all the vitamins from the milk. You get, you know, eating this breakfast cereal gives you calcium and uh, you know, all of the things you get out of milk, milk. But you know what? The vast, except for the, the 75 grams of carbohydrates per serving, everything but that you get from just drinking a glass of milk. Mm. But they can put it on the label for the breakfast cereal. Because their serving suggestion is drink with milk. And by the way, that doesn't work when you drink it with soy milk. Oh, almond milk. I I can tell you <laughs> with confidence that breakfast cereal with almond milk is actually kind of nasty. It all depends on the cereal, but there's a different, uh, a different texture. No question. No question. I do like, though, if you're going to have frosted mini wheats, I like the flavored ones from Aldi where they don't use any artificial colors and stuff in them just a little pro tip there yeah and do they do, do they add like anything that isn't carbohydrates no i mean that's all you're getting i think yeah that's the breakfast you, of and champions. you pour milk on carbohydrates and it becomes part of this balanced breakfast it comes mushy milk yeah <laughs> they all becomes like one big uh you know one big glob 
I mean, if you need some paste, that's a good way to get it. You just mix those things up in a blender, some frosted mini wheats and some almond milk, and you've got yourself a paste. Mm, you have oh, your I've paste for breakfast. Nom, I've triggered Nom in the troll room who says you can't milk an almond, no nipples. <laughs> hey, you haven't seen the almonds I'm using. Yeah, they're just really small. Try the female almonds. Right. Nom, you're trying to milk male almonds. Wrong ones. That's wrong not ones. a nipple. Believe it or not, we are a value for value podcast, which means we put these shows out there. And you I'm decide. not sure I believe it these days. <laughs> right. You decide the value. The last show, it was it was a little disappointing. I think we had nobody, but that's OK, because immediately after the last show, Oystein Burge came in with forty nine ninety nine, which now that I'm reading this, there was no note that said he wanted to remain anonymous. But the forty nine ninety nine amount makes me question if he accidentally sent an anonymous no agenda donation to us. Which or, yeah. Is possible. You think that maybe it was meant for no agenda? Could be. I mean, we'll take it anyway. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm not giving it back. But uh, I mean, that we, I guess we need a system if you want, because right now it's basically if you want to remain anonymous with a donation to us. And there's plenty of reasons why you don't want people to know you're donating but to us. You have to let us know. I think we decided very early on that if you want to remain anonymous, you have to donate more than $500. Right. And then send a note in saying, do not tell anybody about this. Well, we've never read on the show anybody who donated more than 500 in at in, one time, uh, one time because we value your anonymity. Exactly. Brian Hall also coming in with his monthly 293, and that is very much appreciated. That's been going way back. And that's it for today. So we need help. I know it is Biden inflation, but if you got value out of this, go to grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate. Put a number on it. Put something good on it. And if you're using a podcasting 2.0 app, be feel free to boost a gram, boost stream. And if if you don't send value to this show, I'm going to have no choice but to just rant at nothing or continue to do the angry tech news shows, which I've I've noticed they're becoming further between the episodes. It's it's an immense amount of work. And uh, the it's one of those things that. it's not paying the bills and um i i have this month especially gone into full uh corporate job search mode which is surprisingly difficult yeah it's a weird time um you know if if somebody wanted to to pitch me an it contract or programming contract then uh i could work on that and get back to doing more angry tech news but that's not a bribe or anything ryan at grumpyoldbenz.com or I'm guessing Ryan at angrytechnews.com. I, I'm guessing that as well. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. If it bounces back, try the other one. Or at Sir Bemrose at noagendasocial.com. That's, that's yes. pretty much the quickest way to get my attention these days. If you is on the Fediverse. But I mean, I've had similar thoughts because I am keeping a, a fairly full podcasting schedule. I mean, we've skipped a couple of Planet Rage because I the toothache and then Larry was out of town. Uh, and we're coming up on a year of that. So time flies when you're having fun. But doing that Monday, doing random thoughts on Tuesday, grumpy old Ben's on Wednesday, the rock and roll pre-show on Thursday, unrelenting on Friday and the rock and roll pre-show on Sunday. I will say, uh, you know, the thought has occurred to me that it would it's be, a full slate it would be nice to be making money at it. And it was going. <laughs> it was <laughs> How going, weird. Would that be? Yes. Well, it was going fairly well. We were going in that direction until the Biden presidency hit. And yeah. Uh, 
if this is not bitching, this is not trying to make you feel bad listener saying, you know, no, no, give, but give, it give. is an interesting piece of data that uh, all during the Trump years, podcasting was starting to really take off in terms of, of people coming in and, and, you know, Hey, I really liked your episode. Here's five bucks, that sort of right. thing. And uh, Biden inflation hits and boy, there's not much of that anymore. No. So, um, I mean, there, there may come a time where more time needs to be put into something that's actually making money, you know, and this isn't again, a, if you don't pay, you're not going to get the show, but there may be more days off. There may be more gaps. There may be, you know, rightfully so, because people got to put money yeah. in the bank account. And I had to, pay to the bills. I had to back out something and angry tech news uh, is, is about five times as much work to prepare for a show than this one. This is a two hour show where I put in, you know, I'll do two hours of, of prep and two hours of talking. And that's what I do. Uh, Angry tech news was more like seven hours of prep for 20 minutes of talking. Yeah. That's way admittedly. Too much. I talk really fast. <laughs> right. Um, still way and, too much. I, I am still working on a way to reduce that amount of effort. But the problem is that I'm, you know, the method that I went into with Angry Tech News is I want to fully understand all of these stories and then I write up what I want to say. And which to that be fair, means that is, my OCD. It's a, well, it's a lot different than even good tech shows like uh, the, the one that uh, Tom Merritt does. What's a daily news tech show? Whatever yeah, he it does is. it daily. Yeah. It's, but they're doing what we're the doing guy's a here. Machine. Well, yeah, but their system is more what our system is, which is. You read an article or two, and then you come and you talk about it, remembering what you had read. They're yes. not they are not getting into the nitty gritty of nearly anything. It's a very glossy and it's entertaining, but you're not getting deep into any of the stories. Yeah. And and I'm I'm actually trying to bring at least one deep story each week to Grumpy Old Ben's. Now, my deep story this week was was porn, but <laughs> well, that's right up your alley. Which goes right but along with it, the. It is. Uh, so grumpy old Ben's is a hell of a lot easier to keep on a schedule, uh, you know, at, at the very least, because we go live uh, because I've got, you know, if if I choose not to do an angry tech news, there's nobody who's going to look at me at the moment and say, really? Uh, whereas at least if I completely skip off the, the live show time, then you're sitting here going, are we doing a show? And I've disappointed you which i'm fine with but also the people who listen live right including a uh, net net who just came in with 66 66 sat saying dirty milkers talk boost so i don't know what <laughs> i don't know what net ned's into but obviously we have to touch on some weird stuff to get a boost from that guy and so, to be clear i i am absolutely not giving up on angry tech news um i am i am still working on trying to find time to do it and find a method that involves not not making it take as much time. I think that what's going to have to go away is, you know, I do the really tight scripting, which is what takes the most time. And I'm really proud of that because it means that I can get in in 15 minutes, talk about six stories and really bring the, the, you know, there's a high snark per minute ratio. Yeah. There's not a lot of wasted time. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, if I do, don't script, then I talk like I do on this one where I'm stopping and pausing and, and putting in extra words to think about what I'm going to say. And it will make the length of the show go longer and it will not have as much snap to it. But 
that might be how I how I bring back Angry Tech News because I do really enjoy, you know, I'm I'm reading these stories anyway, and I do enjoy bringing them to you and then you know making it so that it's very clear to you how I think about them because everybody's entitled to my opinion. Is that a threat having, to those people or? Uh, yes. And a, is, and a millennial with fifty five sixty nine sets milking nuts and jiggling butts be but he has the period so he's using butts as in the connecting to a stream kind of way that's very right. creative and, and jiggling your butt is how we connect to this show i mean that's well no i we use mix i don't i don't oh. butt i mix that seems very so you don't jiggle your butt at the trolls no i use mix i wave my uh, stick at him that sounded way dirtier <laughs> than it meant to the innuendo just went off track. Yes. Well, so does the whole show. <laughs> How do you normally end these things? <laughs> Nobody knows. That's why they get to where the shows keep getting longer. I just longer. stop ranting and crack open a beer. No, we haven't heard the beer, though. I mean, I just had a hint water, but uh, no beer. I'm, I'm going to need food before I start drink, day drinking right now. It's yeah. only 1 p.m. Yeah, well, you'll get well, it's 80 degrees, though. So just pretend you're on it vacation. Is. You're at a nice it resort, is, and I've got, I've got a very tall bucket of uh, a pitcher of um, iced tea in the fridge right now. That I'm. It sounds a lot more refreshing than a beer at this moment. Hey, that's what I have too. It is uh, PG Tips, thanks to a tip by NetNed. I use five bags of PG Tips in a two quart glass pitcher. You put in the filtered water, and boom, it is the best iced yeah. tea around. I think what I've got is uh, loose leaf tea in a gallon. Um, I, I would not have called this a kombucha jar before, but that's in fact what you search for if you want one of these jars. But a gallon glass jar, bunch of loose leaf tea in it, fill the jar completely, seal it up, put it outside in the sunlight all day. Sun tea, um, remove all the loose leaf with a wire mesh basket. And um, that is a fantastic beverage that is highly refreshing. Yeah, I've tried the sun tea. I also really just like throwing it in the refrigerator with the PG tips. It works really well. You don't even need sunlight. You don't even need light. I've I've certainly done that. Well, I mean, it's it's how you want the flavor and it depends on the tea. This is true. That's the fridge is how I brew my cold brew coffee, which is also fantastic using the same jar. Sometimes I even clean the jar in between. I was going to say, otherwise you're getting a weird kind of crossover taste to it. But that's (laughs) neither here nor there. With that said, I mean, we will be back again next week on Wednesday. These uh, these dates just I mean, we're closing in on episode 200 here. This is what, 191? Yeah. So this is the 11th episode after our hiatus. And we're closing in on episode 200. I do want to point out, I just hit episode number 200 on random thoughts and pulled in our like nothing as far as donations. So I'm not really, not really looking for And, a, and have, have you yet made that show worth listening to? I keep trying. I'm, I keep practicing. I, I, I know it's happened. You have had some fantastic stories. Uh, I remember something about deep fakes, for example. Yeah, we, we have been, we really should do after now. 200 episodes we should do a retrospective of what we hit right yeah what we predicted i mean really the the fans i mean y'all the producers i should say should be combing through I mean, that. you had you had a fantastic analysis of deep fakes before anybody had heard of deep fakes which i would say was really good but don't just subscribe based on that because the very next episode you went on for a half hour talking about mlb right which i still hate 
but I'm back to watching <laughs> racing. So, I mean, there's that. You got to find something to uh, to occupy your time. You can't always watch porn. I know you're surprised what? by that. I know you're like, what? wait, <laughs> I don't minute. understand. I don't I don't get that. You can keep trying. Keep trying. Buy stock and Vaseline. With that said, we will be back next week on Wednesday. And until then, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where it's 80 degrees outside. But, you know, it's like 60 in here because I got AC. And from America's left coast, where I only read the New York Post for the pictures. I'm Ryan Pemrose. Yeah!